Hello and welcome to the Burning Daylight Podcast. My name is Michael Clement and I'm going to be taking you through some of the topics that I've found useful this week and that I think you might find interesting too. The things I'm going to talk about this week are my personal weight loss challenge that is self-inflicted totally by myself, how to build an audience or at least how I'm going to try and build my audience through social media platforms, podcast I listened to earlier in the week by Tony Robbins on the differences between shoulds and musts and also towards the end I'll be sharing a couple of memorable stories from my week at work with some of the customers that I've encountered. So hopefully you'll find it interesting, you might learn a few things along the way and if you do please subscribe and come back. So let's start with the weight loss challenge. Back in October last year, I decided that I wanted to try and see some noticeable differences in, in how I look, in my physical build and physical fitness. So I decided to enter into a new training plan that I'd never ever done before. It's the Joe DeFranco's Strong Bastard 911 program. It's a good program and it covers a lot of different areas some of the exercises i'd never done before so to do that i had to uh, look at things completely different and also because i was wanting to increase my overall size not necessarily definition just actual body weight so i could work up to lifting some heavier heavier weights in the second program that i moved on to which was jim wendler's 531 training protocols and so I started to eat a lot more. Um, I was quite relaxed on a lot of the things that I ate, but at the same time, I was very conscious about how much protein I was taking on board, uh, making sure I had enough calories on board to actually complete the training, because it's, it's quite hard. So, because I have got a background in, in weight training off and on over the years, I first started going to the gym when I was 18 uh, with some friends, and you know that kind of rumbled on for a while into my early 20s and then you kind of fall out of love with it a little bit and you go back to it and you start and you stop and you start and you stop then kind of family comes along and that plays a part in how often you can get to the gym as well and I think if I'd been a bit more like I am now a bit more disciplined with my time the training and the results that I have or haven't had over the years would have been significantly different and with the training that I've done, it's always been predominantly weight-based, resistance weight training. I have dabbled with cycling, and I've done that for a, for a few years, and got up as far as doing a couple of 100k rides, or 60, you know, 62 mile rides, and we used to get some decent mileage in over the weekends. And when I was doing that, uh, I used to do a lot of running as well, so I was able to get my weight down considerably. And I got it down to about 13, just over 13 stone at one point. And for me, at my build, it was too far. I'd really gone too far. Um, a lot of, it was just more bone than anything else. It wasn't, wasn't great to look at. So I decided to kind of knock that on the head a little bit and not do as much running, not do as much cycling. And I kind of changed my diet as well. And it started to go back, my weight started to go back up to where the, the set point for my weight was at that time. So while I'm not a certified nutritionist, 
and I'm not a certified uh, PT instructor, so to speak. I do know a lot about training. I've read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts, and I've experimented on myself as well. Things that work, things that don't work. Uh, I'm a big fan of Joe DeFranco on the Industrial Strength Show podcast. Um, he's been a great source of information over the last three, four years. Um, some of the books I've read by Dan John, Mark Ruppetto, Jim Wendler, Mike Matthews have all gave me excellent information and I've learned a lot. So you don't always have to go to a college or a training provider to gain an education. You can gain an education and the things that you're interested in just by buying the right books, reading the reviews on the books, checking out the content that's inside them and just spending the time actually investing in yourself and learning about what you're interested in. Equally with the podcasts, Joe DeFranco, the Mike Dolce Show for Nutrition, both excellent podcasts, so I'd thoroughly recommend anybody who's interested in wanting to know more from actual experts in the fields, go check out the Industrial Strength Show and check out the Mike Dolce Show, both of which have excellent YouTube channels and you can pick a lot of information up just by watching the videos. So, for the past nine months, my challenge was to get as big and strong as I could. And that worked. And I've taken it as far as I've kind of wanted to get to. I've got my 140 kilogram bench press, which to some isn't a lot. Um, I know there's a lot of guys out there who can bench way more than that. But at my age, and with the time that I have available to invest into something like this, I'm happy with that. My deadlift is 180k which again, not the greatest in the world. It's definitely not Eddie Hall material. You know, there's not the 500 kilo deadlift there. And for a while, I kind of kicked around aiming for the 200 kilo deadlift. But recently, I've kind of asked myself, what am I doing it for? If I attempt a 200 kilo deadlift, which I think I could do given another few months, what if I hurt my back? What if I tear a hamstring? And I know the what ifs. But my situation at the moment, if I can't work, I haven't got any money coming in. So it's risk versus reward. It's the risk of injury far outweighs any personal advantage in, in, in doing the lifts. So for me, I'm going to come at things a different way now. So I'm getting as big as I wanted to get. I got up to 19 stone, believe it or not, um, from a starting point of just over 16 stone. And... It's, it was it was great eating all the food, just eat what you want. But in things like clothes, like I outgrew my clothes so fast, so fast. Um, I had to buy a suit at the beginning of the year and I had to go to Marks and Spencer's to get this suit. And the jacket, I think the jacket was something like a 52 or something or a 54 inch jacket. And I think there's even a bit of lycra in the material as well, just to help it stretch that bit further. But putting it on um, didn't feel great. And other clothes that I had that fitted that were nice just didn't go anywhere near. And it came to um, an interesting point on, on holiday this year when we were away. Went into a shop in Turkey. And as you do, you look around and I've got all the lovely copies and things like that. So I thought, they're bound to have a hoodie that fits. Wrong. Uh, T-shirts, nope. The only thing that... I was available in the store that actually fit uh, was this triple XL jacket, fleece jacket. 
so I needed a one because the nights were a little bit colder out there so I bought it and it was cheap enough and it's a nice jacket and I wear it when I get back but I am looking forward to those clothes being too big now that I'm on this challenge so what I've done is my challenge is to lose one stone of body weight in the next 30 days and that started uh, Tuesday of this week so I think it's about the 9th of October 18 stone 4 was what the scales read so that was my starting point I need to get down to 17 stone 4 by the middle of August now to some that might sound easy and I'm sure some people would find it easy hopefully it is easy but I'm going to put the work in and I'm going to record how I'm doing it so every day every morning I get on the scales and I record what the weight says don't take a photograph I actually take a video and I post it on my YouTube channel which is obviously podcast uh, the burning daylight podcast so you can go over and check out the videos on YouTube and once I've been on the scales and got weighed I then head downstairs into the garage where my gym is and for the last four mornings I've been on that spinning bike at about 5.15, 5.20am putting in 30-35 minutes this morning I put in an hour so you know I got a, a bit more in than normal but I'm not at work today so that's okay and it's working it's working and I'm down to 18 stone flat so that's four pounds off in four days so far now my diet hasn't really changed a great deal um, I don't typically eat too bad uh, I am partial to a chocolate biscuit here and there and last night when I got in from work I'd been at work for the best part of about 12 hours and I came in and I just wanted something to eat and there was Mr Kipling's apple pies in a box in the cupboard there was three less by the time I'd been in the house for five minutes because I'd ate them but I needed something to eat and a moment of weakness took over and I had them regardless it didn't affect my progress I still lost four pounds in four days so don't think that you have to live like some kind of monk you don't you do have to put the work in definitely and you do have to keep an eye on your diet prior to those Mr Kipling cakes I'd had uh, vegetables and tuna during the day I'd had a couple of pieces of fruit a couple of protein shakes uh, a couple of black coffees so I'd, and uh, some pumpkin seeds as well so I'd, I had eaten quite well during the day it wasn't like I'd just you know been spending all day eating out of McDonald's I had eaten quite well all day and all and over the four days so it's not just a one day thing it's a cumulative effect so I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna keep trying to lose more and more weight until I get down to that 17.4 then I'm gonna take a look at how I look in the mirror uh, the training I've changed a lot and I've put together a program that involves more repetition work less in terms of the actual uh, weight that I'm lifting so there's not going to be as much heavy lifting in the program anymore um, certainly for the next few weeks five six weeks um, until I change it up a bit more um, it's just going to be the same kind of thing so it's going to be um, higher volume I'm going to be spending more time under tempo um, spending more time uh, with resistance so lowering the weights I want to take more time to to lower the weight so on a bench press for example 
lowering the chest lowering the weight down to your chest is going to be around about three to five seconds lower with a one to two second uh, extension same with uh, bent rows i'm going to do the same kind of process with those and just keep the muscles under tension for longer periods rather than just knocking out eight to ten to twelve reps contract the weight slower and that keeps the muscles under tension for longer gives you more of a pump and it increases the the damage that you do on the muscle fibers which obviously as everybody knows is how muscles grow you have to damage the muscles before they grow okay and i can talk more about that in in later podcasts um it's something that i've learned a lot watching youtube videos so that's the first part that's the first topic um discussed so far so please if you're interested go over to the youtube channel burning deal see the videos that i've posted on there so far so on to my next topic which is social media and where i am so far so i'm a week in i'm one week down in trying to build this podcast up nothing nothing good worth having is is easy and as we all know rome was not built in one day or in my case one week so what have i done well i've made the youtube channel and i've posted a number of videos on there so far they've had small amounts of views but that's to be expected there's a facebook page out there as well obviously it's the same the the facebook page is titled the same as the podcast burning daylight podcast uh, so if you want to check that out please do the videos are on there too and what i thought as well was i would try twitter um, to try and engage with more people and promote the podcast that way and find out a bit more about what other people are doing on their podcasts too so i have a, a twitter page that i've put together i think i've got about 20 followers so far and that's at that's called at burning podcast that's the twitter page so hopefully with those three channels if you like we can grow the podcast and what i'm looking for longer term is obviously guests people that can bring something of value that i can talk to and share information with so longer term i definitely will be trying to get more guests on but let's be honest who's going to come onto a podcast with you know not many listeners so i need to build up the audience first and hopefully from there i can start to get on with more engaging customers uh, more engaging content i should say not customers and building my brand up and, and building up the awareness of the show will only come with time so and i'm prepared to give it that so we'll go from there right while i'm on the exercise bike in the morning it's easy to sit there and just zone out but what i've been doing is i've been taking the opportunity to catch up on some youtube videos and this week i watched a couple of tony robbins uh videos that he had out where he'd been interviewed and one of the things he was talking about was why people don't achieve the things that they really want to achieve and what he spoke about was should versus must and what he meant by that was people will say that they should lose weight that they should find another job that they must find another job would be a better way of looking at it but that's not how people do it 
So shoulds kind of get in the way of people actually changing things. And we've all been there. I should call a friend or a family member. I should try harder at work. I should be more tidy at home. Fill in the blank. We've all done it. But change only happens when enough pain is attributed to a situation. Let me give you an example of that. Procrastination. You keep putting something off. And you keep putting something off and kicking the can down the road. It could be an assignment for college or university. Could be revising for an exam. The more you put something off, typically the worse it gets. It doesn't go away. It will always be there until you take action. Until you take action, things stay the way they are. You must take action, not should. The point of staying where you are is not going to move you on in life. And looking at it and thinking, well, maybe tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's going to come. Next year's going to come round. And you'll still be in the same position. We've all worked with people, men and women, colleagues, who are always going to leave. They're always going to leave work. They're always going to go and find another job. They're always going to go and start their own business. But they're still there. They're still doing the same job. They never do anything different. They're very good at talking, but not very good at doing. And they're the toxic ones. They're the ones you need to keep away from. They're the ones who, when you start to make changes, they're the ones who pull you back. They're the ones who slow you down. They're the ones who won't give you any credit for the things that you're doing. And when you tell them that you're doing something to try and improve or trying to change your life for the better, they're the ones who will change the subject because they just don't want anybody else to have more than what they've got. They want everybody on their level because that gives them a little bit of leverage over you because they can talk about what they're going to do next but they're never going to do it so what are your shoulds what are your shoulds you know what are you saying to yourself i should do this i should do this better maybe i should try this well let me say this i went through this for a long time and it was i should find another job and i'd go out and i'd find another job and it was just the same as the last one same situation, different company name. And ultimately, what I needed to look at was not I should change my job. What I should have been asking was, what must I do work-wise to give me some kind of meaning in what I'm doing? That would have been a better question to ask. What must I do to change how I feel when I get up in the morning? What must I do so that I don't get the back-to-work blues on a Sunday? What must I do to make me happier? What must I do so that I can help other people? Eventually the penny did drop. It took a little while, but it dropped nonetheless. And it, it's been a long challenge. It's been a, it's been a long couple of years. In the first year I spent just kind of decompressing and looking at things and coming up with ideas and trying things but ultimately they wouldn't work out and you know you kind of think god like 
what's gonna you know what what is it what is it i need to do and eventually you know life has a way of kind of pointing you in the right direction so the easy job that i took to get away from my old career and just to give me an income and give me time to think was just driving that taxi just getting up in the morning picking people up all day and dropping them off and it is the most time consuming job i've ever ever had i kid you not 10 hours in a car out of your day is a long day it's the easiest job in the world most of the time however it's time consuming and it's helped me to focus my mind and it's given me so many valuable conversations and valuable insights into myself and the world around me and the people around me but what I needed to do was to get into that car and make a living that's what I had to do because the pain of going back to my old job was too much to bear there was no way I could face going back and doing what I was doing so dropping away from middle management to driving a taxi to some people you might think wow that is a step backwards if you look at it that way yeah it was in terms of a career definitely a step back but in terms of time spent if I'd stayed where I was I'd have still been the same person that I was two years ago and I wouldn't be sitting here recording a podcast I wouldn't have a YouTube channel there's many things that I wouldn't have I certainly wouldn't be almost you know three quarters of the way through of completing a course to be to become a teacher I wouldn't have met some of the obviously the kids that I teach and uh, the teachers that I work with and the people that have helped me along the way I would have still been doing the same stressful work working with people who just want to turn up and pick up a salary and go home not for me that just was not for me I used to always think like there has to be more to life than what I'm doing and there was and that is and I've read so much over the last couple of years reflected so much on the things that I've done right and the things that I could have done better listen to loads of podcasts uh, which has kind of obviously led me in this direction but ultimately I recognized that I must make a change and I did make a change and it was the best thing that I could have done for my career so yeah driving around in a taxi you're gonna think of like your average taxi driver you get in and it's like where you're off to next and you're probably gonna ask the driver has he been on long and what time did you start what time you finishing I bet you get loads of people being sick in your car I hear these questions every day and you've just got to smile because people think they're the first people to ask you the question and they're not they're not even the first people of that day usually however that's the way it goes but I took I took a different view of it I've looked at it very differently and I can use my job to experiment I can use my job to have conversations with people who I wouldn't normally get to meet and I've met some real characters along the way so if you're looking to change and if you're looking to change your shoulds to musts then maybe there's an example in what I've just spoken about you know in both my weight loss challenge and with regards to the job the pain of staying where you are if that's not sufficient you won't change so for me with my weight at 18 stone 4 the pain of staying at 18 for 
is so much that I want to make a change and get down to 17, 17 4. If I was comfortable, I'd just stay where I was. But I want to be lighter. I want to feel lighter. I want to be a little bit quicker. I want to weigh a little bit less. I want my clothes, like my new suit I bought in January, to be too big. I want to look better. But like I said, regards to the job, the change was too painful to stay. I knew it was time, I knew it was time to move on and create a new job and get a new set of skills and transfer the, the old ones to the new to the new job. And that's what I've done. So if anybody has any questions about how to turn shoulds into musts, to recognise when the pain of not changing is not high enough because all change comes through pain the pain has to be high enough for you to look at it and go you know what i can't stay in this place this is too painful i need to make a change till the pain gets to that point you're just going to keep doing what you're doing you're going to keep eating the same things that you're eating you're going to keep driving the way that you're driving you're going to keep talking to people the way that you keep talking to them and that's a good example how many times have you spoken to somebody in a negative way and they've said who are you talking to why are you talking to me like that? It's only when you're challenged and you feel uncomfortable that you make a change because it was painful what you've just gone through. You've recognized that you've upset somebody and that's painful. So you'll not do it again. You'll change your behavior pattern. And change is never as hard as what people think. So again, if you have any questions, please post them on the show notes or go onto the Facebook page and send me the questions there or go on to twitter at burning podcast and send me any questions you have that way so as i mentioned with this job it's my transitional job it's the job that i'm using to go from middle management and sales and marketing to becoming a teacher and helping people and i guarantee you from my experience it's a lot more meaningful to help people than to add numbers onto the bottom of a spreadsheet in a profit and loss account so this week, like most weeks, I get a good mix of customers through the car, about a hundred a week. So you can imagine I get some interesting tales along the way. So just yesterday, I did a job to the train station, dropped somebody off. And then while I'm there, they sent me another job through to pick up from the, from the train station to go down to Wall's End, which is in Newcastle upon Tyne. So I'm sat there, and there's a couple of cars parked up in front of me, a couple of cabs parked in front of me, and this homeless guy walks past on the left-hand side of the car, the passenger side of the car, and he looks at me, and I kind of look up at him, and we make eye contact, he moves to the next car, does the same, same with the car in front of that. So he's walked past three cars, looked at us all, and this homeless guy kind of stops with, turns around he's got his bag on his shoulder and he just looked like he'd been sleeping rough all night you know his clothes were dirty his face was dirty and uh, I just kind of switched off and I was I started doing something else and quite often when you park there the homeless people will come and they'll tap on the window and ask you for some change um, see if you can help them in any way and you always oblige or I do anyway so anyway this guy starts walking back down towards the car and he gets closer and he gets closer 
Um, I'm thinking, oh no, it's like my morning is not getting off to a good start here. And he taps on the window. So I dropped the window down. And he said, uh, are you waiting for Robert? And I went, yeah, that's right, I am. He says, oh, that's me. He says, to go to Wall's End. I went, yeah, that's right. So this homeless guy, he opens the back door, jumps in the car. So before I could say anything like, you've got to pay for this up front, mate, because there's no way I was going to take him on trust. He said to me, I can't wait to get home. I went, oh, really? Surprised that he has a home to go to. And he said, yeah. He says, you wouldn't believe this. He said, I've, um, he says, I've, I've been at sea, he said, for the last 10 days. And as soon as he said that, the smell just kind of crashed like a wave from the back of the car into the front of the car, and he stunk of fish. When he said he'd been at sea for 10 days, he had literally been at sea for 10 days. He's a trawlerman working off the coast of uh, Eyemouth, which is up in Scotland. And he's working 18, 20 hours a day, this guy. And he just getting the train home. He'd literally getting off the boat that, that morning, <laughs> packed his bag, and jumped straight into a, into a car then to the train station. And the train he caught straight away. So he'd only been on the train maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. And he was off at Newcastle and into my car. So maybe two hours, three hours earlier, he was on a ship, on a boat, on a fishing boat, searching for prawns, fishing for prawns. Um, in the North Sea so from three hours ago being in the North Sea sitting in my car you can imagine the smell so we set off and he was telling me how he how he works and he was telling me all about every 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 week well not every weekend but every he goes out for 10 days then he comes back for the week uh, for a couple of days and then goes back out for 10 days and he was telling me all about how the fish for these prawns which was quite interesting uh, there's just him and another guy on this on this boat that they have and they go out and they drop the nets and they trawl the bottom of the the seabed so i'd said to him what happens when the net gets caught how do, how do you know where to fish you could drop it onto a load of rocks he says well that happens sometimes and what will happen is the net will tear or it'll just get ripped off the back of the boat you've got to go and put another net out he says but to stop that from happening what they do is they mark on a on a map basically the good fishing areas and they're going for prawns but what he said was over a 10-day period it costs his operating costs him and his partner it was three thousand pound which is a lot of money but the catch that he'd just done had grossed them twenty two thousand pounds in sales so for 10 days work they'd grossed 22k now, as he admitted, that's not every day, day in, day out, you know, but on this particular trip, that's what they earned. And he said they make all of their money during the warmer months, the winter months that tick by. As you can imagine, it's not that possible. It's not easy to kind of fish in the winter months. The weather's just not going to be on your side. But it's good money. Good money for what he was doing. And then he was on to tell me all about how they the have these trawler wars. And if a ship, if a boat is already out there and they're dragging their nets, what they'll do is they'll sh they'll kind of sail, if you like. They'll put their boat in front of the boat that's dragging their nets already. And when they get in front at a sensible distance, they'll then drop their nets in front of the other ship. So they're basically getting the prawns before the other ship have got time 
to pick them up themselves so they're kind of jumping the queue so to speak and he says it does get a bit frisky at times and they have been known to be having fisticuffs in the harbour afterwards but this guy he enjoyed it he's making the money he's a happy enough guy he just looked like a homeless person and smelt like you could imagine you know fish it wasn't great so I had to when I got him out I had to get a can of deodorant spray the whole can almost inside the car get out of the car close the windows obviously and close the doors and just let the deodorant soak into the seats of the car before I could pick up anybody else but he was a nice enough guy and you know there was there was no harm in him at all you know so that was one guy uh, the other one was definitely definitely um, an interesting character as well this was earlier in the week so I'd uh, picked up in a, a rougher part of Newcastle if you like and uh, this guy jumped in the car about six foot tall about the same size as me you know circa you know mid 18 stone a uh, couple of scars on his face you know shorts on when it was raining outside so a typical kind of Geordie guy and when he gets in he says uh, can you take me to Westerhope I said, take you wherever you want mate not a problem so I said whereabouts in Westerhope do you want to go he went oh just Westerhope well for anybody who doesn't know Westerhope's quite a large area and there's a lot of streets there it's not like a, a hamlet or a village you know it's a big area so as we're going along he rings his friend and he gets his street name so that's fine so we'll get talking and where I picked them up from was a, like, a, like a hostel, like a halfway house kind of thing. So he started to tell me all about how he just came out of jail and he'd been in jail for about seven years for arms offences. <laughs> I was like, right, okay. But he was very, he was very, uh, he wasn't bragging about it. He wasn't kind of trying to be boastful. Um, he was quite the opposite to be fair. So I, I ask a lot of questions to people and often you don't need to ask a lot of questions when you're in a taxi people just tell you everything anyway so this guy went on along on, on the journey he went on to tell me all about how he didn't give me the full details of how he'd ended up getting locked up for the seven years for the art the firearms offenses and um, he then went on to tell me how to make a gun with just you know the bare essentials a couple of bits of pipe and a couple of other bits and bobs which I won't go into here um, you know but he was very convincing from an engineering point of view what he said did make sense um, but it is definitely not something that I would be trying but he then went on to say that when he got put in jail his wife and children were put into witness protection so you can kind of start to join the dots a little bit and he said now he would recognize his wife but he wouldn't have a clue about what his kids look like now He's never seen them for seven years and he doesn't know where they are. Also, while he was in jail, he, his parents both passed away. So his father passed away, and his mother passed away not long afterwards. And that was the only family that he had. His friends, when he came out, had either been put in jail themselves or, as he said, a couple of them had been bumped off. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. What he said was, he was grateful that I showed an interest and that I was interested in him um, and gave him an opportunity to talk and, and let him speak. And I said, well, well listen, I'm, I'm grateful for you for, for sharing your life with me. 
you know, um, you've given me an insight into a world that thankfully I've never had to experience. Um, but this guy was full of regret and also ambition. And what he'd done was he'd, he'd managed to save up some money while he was in jail and he bought himself a little van. And what he said was he created a Facebook page and he was going to go out and just do odd jobs. And it might be somebody who wants rubbish taken away, somebody who might want um, some basic DIY work doing. And he said, I don't need to make a lot of money. I'm grateful for whatever I can get. And he said, if I can go out and earn 20 or 30 pound in a day, he says, and you know, make somebody's life a little bit easier. He says, that's what I want to do. And I sat in a sport room at the end of the journey and you know, we, we exchanged some training um, tips as well. I gave him an insight into some of the, the podcasts to listen to. And the guy didn't even know what a podcast was. He was probably like, I'm 46, he had to probably be around about 38, 39, didn't know what a podcast was, um, so got his phone out, I got him set up with a podcast app, got him onto the shows, got him subscribed, and got him some, some, some episodes downloaded before he got out the car, um, and he was so grateful, just for something as simple as that. What it helped me to realise is that, just because somebody's made some bad choices, and he clearly had, He's not letting it define him. And he wasn't, you know, a master's, you know, graduate or anything like that. He was just a normal lad from like the West End of Newcastle, you know. Um, but a nice lad nonetheless. And he kind of had realized what he'd done wrong and he was making the efforts to put it right. And he wasn't wanting the world. He's just wanting a chance to kind of move on. And also to talk and for people to treat him with a little bit of respect. And that's what I gave him. I gave him the respect he deserved. And he reciprocated that to me. Now, that could have went a completely different way. But it didn't. Because I think everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody deserves a bit of a helping hand from time to time. And hopefully he makes it. Hopefully he gets that Facebook page up. And if I bump into him again, if I get the, chop, if I get the opportunity to pick him up again and he hasn't got that Facebook page up, I'll be turning the meter off at the end of the job and I'll be making the Facebook page for him, you know? And if I know, if I get some details from him, I know anybody who wants to um, get some odd, odd jobs done, I'd definitely point him in, in, him, in, him in their direction. So they're just a couple from this week. And I've got, you know, more that I could probably talk about, but I'm gonna keep them for different shows. So this is my first full episode, if you like and hopefully it's better than my introduction there was some improvements hopefully that i've made along the way i will get better i will keep practicing and i will keep delivering a show every week if you like it please give me some feedback let me know how i can improve um, any comments any suggestions anybody who wants to be interviewed just drop me a drop me a, drop me a note i'm happy to interview um, and go from there so please check out the youtube channel it's again just burning daylight podcast same with facebook same title and obviously on twitter it's at burning daylight podcast you can send me any information any questions that you have any tips any recommendations for the show so i'm going to leave it there for this week thanks very much and i'll see you again next week bye